Donald Whitney has written a wonderful little book titled Praying the Bible, where he shows readers how to pray through portions of Scripture, especially the Psalms, one line at a time. This time-tested prayer method means you are always praying the will of God because you are precisely praying the Word of God. Praying God's Word is also the best way to avoid the vain repetitions Jesus warned about in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, said Jesus, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. ever struggle in your prayer life? Ever been unsure about what to say to God? Dr. Ron Jones has some helpful advice for you next on today's edition of Something Good. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, you can never go wrong when you pray God's Word back to Him. It's how we can know for sure we're praying in accordance with His will. But there are also a few hindrances to prayer, and Ron shares them with us today as part of his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now from Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, The Keys to Unlocking Answered Prayer. Well, some of the three most important words in prayer is persistence, persistence, persistence. And knowing that you and I have a tendency to give up too soon, Jesus told two parables to encourage us to be persistent in prayer. Write them down, they're in your notes there. The parable of the friend at midnight, you'll find it in Luke chapter 11, and then the parable of the persistent widow. Interesting how Jesus ties persistence in prayer to faith. And he's coming back one day and he's going to be looking for faith on earth. Are you a persistent prayer? I woke up this morning, very early in the morning, took my dog out to do her business. And one of the first thoughts that came to my mind was to pray for a member of my family for their salvation, an extended member of the family. Uh, I've been praying for decades. Never give up, persist in prayer. Number seven, all right, this one you got to strap your seat belts on a little bit tighter. All right, we're at the top of the roller coaster. We're about to go boom. All right, and your stomach's going to go like this. Broken relationships will hinder our communication with God. Church family, God is in the reconciliation business. Make no mistake about that. Second Corinthians chapter five tells us He reconciled us to Him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so reconciling our broken relationships has always been a prerequisite to approaching him. Uh, Jesus said as much uh, when it comes to bringing our offering to the Lord. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, you, know, you come to church, you're going to give an offering to the Lord, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift, well, leave it at the church office. No, no he says, leave your gift there before the altar 
I'm joking, all right? I'm just a little bit of humor this morning. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wow. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul even says to the Corinthians about how they practice communion when they came to the Lord's table? He says, if you've got an unreconciled relationship at that time, don't take communion. You, you will be taking it unworthily. You go reconcile that relationship first, and then you come to the Lord's table. Peter hits close to home by linking answered prayer, listen to this, to the way a husband treats his wife. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Oh, I wish he stopped right there. But he goes on, so that your prayers may not be hindered. What does he mean, the weaker vessel? Okay, I'm married to a strong, capable woman. Okay, but she's still weaker than me physically and emotionally. I say husbands, our wives are, are like um, that piece of... Uh, China that you put in a special place in the China hutch. Don't treat her like the tumbler you got from the baseball game or the basketball game. You're just going to throw her into the dishwasher. She breaks easily. She's of, of, uh, of value you can't even estimate. You elevate her. She's a fellow heir with you of the grace of life. There's equality in person and before God. Different roles and responsibilities within the home and within the church. We'll talk about that at a different time. But how we treat our wives, husband, affects positively or negatively our prayer life. Now, marital conflict is inevitable. None of us is perfect. Uh, we gotta work at reconciling broken relationships, even broken marriages. Some of you right now who are considering divorce, Hey, listen, it's going to have an impact on your, your prayer life. I, I don't know how to say it any, any, any more clearly. We're in the reconciliation business. Catherine and I never counsel a struggling you know, husband and wife without first saying, we believe in your marriage. And if the two of you are here to work on reconciling this, we can help you. If only one of you is here, you know, it's going to be harder. It takes two to make a great marriage. It takes two to reconcile a broken marriage. It takes two to reconcile a broken relationship. This is why I love Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, if it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Are you doing everything you can to reconcile that broken relationship? You may not understand until now that your prayer life depends on that. Do everything that is in your power. Keep pursuing that person until, uh, you know, there's no chance of it happening. But as far as it depends on you. Whew, it got quiet in here. <laughs> Number eight, indifference to God's word will hinder our prayer life. Proverbs 28 and verse 19 says, If one 
turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. I use the word indifferent here. Indifference shows a lack of concern or a lack of interest in something. Indifferent people are shoulder shruggers. Or there are people who say this, whatever. Whatever. You know, we hear that from kids, but we say it in so many ways even as adults. Words like apathetic, callous, careless, insensitive, inattentive, negligent are all similar words that describes the indifferent heart or the indifferent state of mind and behavior. And these are strong words from Proverbs 28, but they're designed to awaken the indifference in us. Have you turned your ear away from God's word? I'm glad you're here this morning, all right? And many of you are here regularly. And we all need to be under the teaching of God's word, including your pastor, but we need to be in it for ourselves. Is it fair enough to say that if we uh, neglect our reading of the word of God, that we become indifferent to it. And why should we ask God to hear our prayers and to answer our petitions if we're not showing any interest in what he says? Why, why would he even turn an ear to what we have to say? Uh, the writer of Proverbs says the person who turns away his ear from hearing the law, his prayer, that's a strong word, is an abomination. God didn't even want to hear it. So, so when we lean into God's word, when we're, we're, we study it, you know, can I just get real personal? We work hard as a staff to create uh, seasons of Bible studies for women, for men, uh, discipleship studies, all of that. We're always disappointed by the sign-up. We're encouraged by those of you who do, but relative to the number of people in our church family. Come on now. And I know there are scheduling conflicts and all of that. And may, maybe you have your own time in the word, but... Let's turn our ear to God's word and, and lean into it in a way that shows we not only want to hear what he has to say, but we're ready to put it into practice. Now, positively, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15 and verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. To abide in Jesus is, is to be so aligned and so intimately connected to him. There's no separation between you, your behavior, and the word of God. And this was something he taught his disciples in the upper room after he declared, I am uh, the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And by this time they had left the upper room and they were heading toward the garden of Gethsemane. They were crossing the Kidron Valley and they came upon uh, some grapevines. And he picked up the grapevine and he said, just like you know, the, the, the vine is intimately connected um, and, and draws its nourishment from the vine, be intimately connected to me, abide in me, remain in me, and let my words remain in you. Be hungry for what I have to say and to put it into practice. And when you do, you can ask anything you want because you'll be so perfectly aligned with the will of God that your prayers will be answered.
Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, so don't go away. Be sure to remember this web address, somethinggoodradio.org. That's the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. When you stop by, check out our digital library where you can search for answers to some of life's most challenging questions. Answers Ron has put together during his more than 30 years of teaching the Word of God. You can also stream on demand absolutely free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. So let me ask you, do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, does God answer prayer? That's The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50 or a four-pack for $100. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Keys to Unlocking Answered Prayer. By the way, and this is where I combined, I had 10, but I combined one and turned it into nine. Indifference to the poor will also hinder our prayers. You might be surprised by this. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13 says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Interesting. And then number nine, the final one that you know we, we need to keep aware of, and we talked a little bit about it earlier in the series, is spiritual warfare hinders uh, you know, that communication with God. We can go to Daniel chapter 10, where we find Daniel praying and fasting for 21 days. He doesn't learn until the 21st day when the angel Gabriel comes that uh, uh, as soon as Daniel started praying, heaven heard the prayer and dispatched the answer. But between heaven and the answer coming to earth, the angel Gabriel said, uh, got interrupted by all this stuff going on in the heavenly realms. Uh, the apostle Paul gives us a glimpse into all of this in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in the heavenly realms. The heavenly realms are those unseen places where uh, spiritual conflict takes place between uh, the armies of heaven and the armies of hell. And we gotta keep that in mind, okay? Which is another reason why we persist in prayer. If Daniel had, been, had given up on day three or day four or day five, no, he was praying for 21 days of prayer and fasting. And finally there was a, there was a, a breakthrough, a breakthrough. All right, there you have it, nine hindrances to answered prayer. This is really meant to be uh, hopefully a strong finish to our series on prayer, the Jesus way to pray, but also an opportunity for every one of us to take inventory, 
to take inventory and to make sure that we are on praying ground, that those communication lines, that we have you know, 5G, uh, fast internet kind of access to the Father, that there's nothing that we're doing in attitude or behavior or anything like that that is hindering that conversation with God. And first and foremost, the inventory, inventory we take is, are you in Christ? Are you in relationship with Him? Have you come to the cross of Christ as a sinner who needs a Savior? And you at least step onto that ground of agreement called confession and repentance. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's how the Bible diagnoses our spiritual condition. It's like going to the oncologist and he says, we've run all the tests and you have stage four cancer. Okay. The diagnosis is not good. Well, you know, Doc, what's, what's the prognosis? Well, um, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Prognosis is not good. You'll die from this. And that's not good news. That's bad news, actually. But the doctor turns to you and says, but I got good news. We have a treatment for this. And we have a prescription for this. The treatment is the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and, and God loves you so much that he put this treatment in place with a prescription called the blood of Christ. This is a little prescription you're gonna to have to be on the rest of your life because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us initially and cleanses us daily uh, from all the, you know, the sin uh, uh, that we, we even commit, even as believers in Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God has a cleansing agent called the blood of Christ. And this is how we as believers in Jesus, through confession and repentance, repeatedly, Remain in fellowship with Jesus. But if you're somebody who's not in relationship with Him, you don't even, you, you, you don't have 5G, you have negative 5 something. And that's why prayer is frustrating. That's why it feels like I'm, you know, I'm talking to my imaginary friend. But what we're describing here, you get all these hindrances out of the way. What we're describing here is what some uh, throughout church history have called the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life makes prayer as simple as asking and receiving. It's that simple, okay? You align with God. You're on praying ground. You're in relationship with Him. All these you know, hindrances are out of the way. And it's as simple as asking and receiving. Sure, if uh, the request is not right, God will say no. If the time is not right, He'll say slow. If you are not right or I'm not right, He'll say grow. But when all is right, you'll hear the, not the locking and double bolting of heaven's doors, you'll hear the unlocking of heaven's doors and a glorious breakthrough to answered prayer. Answered prayer should be the norm in the Christian life, not the exception. We ought to be sharing stories with one another about how we prayed for this, maybe for a week, maybe for years, maybe for decades, and God answered that prayer. We said, give us this day our daily bread. And he opened up heaven's doors and manna fell from heaven and he provided at just the right time. And just story after story of a house of God who prays because we believe God hears us. And he answers his kids who cry out to him. Oh, you got to get on praying ground. Take the inventory. 
Take, take these notes, take all these passages of Scripture and read through them and pray through them this week and say, God, I, I want to have conversation and communion with you, a relationship with you. Pray in the morning, pray at noon, pray in the evening. Never cease praying. Pray when you drive down the road. Don't close your eyes and bow your head, but you know, you can pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, Paul says. And take inventory of where you are. Are you in Christ or are you outside of Christ? Get in Christ and then take inventory. And you will find, as I will find, that prayer is the most exciting, exhilarating adventure we've ever been on. And my prayer at the end of this series is that, is that it'll motivate us to continue there. The, the prayer ministry of the church begins now. But let's take it to the next level. Go to atlanticshores.org prayer. Get involved in the prayer ministry. Pray where you are, but pray with others as well. And let's be the house of God that prays and uh, praises God and expects God to do great things because he's there, he's willing, he says he'll even pour out his, uh, his, his uh, wisdom to us generously. He's, he's a generous God, but we got to come on his terms. And when we do, he stands ready to uh, hear and to answer our prayers. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, The Keys to Unlocking Answered Prayer. And I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Ron Jones. And Ron, this has been a great group of messages on the Lord's Prayer, enlightening in so many ways. Before we move on to your next series, is there anything you'd like to add to the one you just shared with us over the past couple of weeks? Brian, I want to come back around to this idea of selfishness being a hindrance to prayer. I talked about it yesterday in part one of this message, and selfishness was number three on the list of nine hindrances to prayer. If we ask God for something out of purely selfish motives, that will hinder our prayers. Uh, we can actually expect God to say no in those cases. Now, if you set this idea over against the entirety of the Lord's Prayer, Brian, you'll find that there's not a single selfish motive in the Jesus way to pray. None of the requests are frivolous. Uh, none of the requests in the Lord's Prayer emerge from anything close to a selfish desire. Now, Brian, uh, there's not a thing in the world wrong with praying for healing or asking God to give you that promotion at work or any number of other things that we may desire. I guess what I'm saying is that uh, ultimately, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we should submit all things to God's will. Uh, the way we consistently do that is by delighting ourselves in the Lord. A prayer that begins with delighting in God through praise and worship actually gets us ready to submit our wills to him. A praying this way transforms our desires and gives way to God's desires for us. And that is the beauty of the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Jesus way to pray. It is rooted in praise and worship of our Father, in dependence on our Father, and in submission to our Father. And it's the kind of prayer that gets answers from heaven with no hindrances. That's Dr. Ryan Jones with a few final thoughts on the power 
and beauty of the Lord's Prayer. Ron, what can you tell us about tomorrow's message as you launch your next teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than? Well, Brian, I'm really looking forward to diving into this next series. You know, the book of Colossians is one of four epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote while under house arrest in Rome. Now, Paul didn't plant this church. To the best of our knowledge, it was one of Paul's students, Epaphras, who launched this church. But nevertheless, Paul felt compelled to write to the church in Colossae because, well, some false teaching had cropped up, teaching that diminished the person and work of Jesus Christ. Over the next few weeks, I'll go into some detail about this false teaching, this Colossian heresy, as it is called, how Paul responded to it, and how it applies to us today. The theme for this series from the book of Colossians is very simple. Jesus is greater than. He's greater than anything the false teachers said about him and greater than anything we could possibly imagine about our Savior. That series kicks off tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Fruit of the Gospel in You. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.